Good evening, everyone. And uh, welcome to another episode of Prospects After Dark. And I am your host. I am Kyle Reese. Uh, you are either watching through Twitter Live or through the YouTube Live thingy. Uh, welcome, everybody. Now, as people start to come in on Twitter Live, I will remind you that the experience is substantially better over on YouTube. Uh, the picture quality is better. It's less zoomed in on my head. And we can do really cool things uh, uh, like show the actual comment that people are having up on the, the screen there. And what we have is our first comment from the one and only Matthew Stromer, who is an awesome dude who says, first, go cards. Then Gifts says to Matt, sup, Stroms? To which Matt said, what up, Gifts? Hope things are well on your end in AZ. Jeff Niehaus is here. You can see the little thing over there. We love Jeff. It's nice to have Jeff in here. A Redbird Rocks podcast says, here. Hello, Redbird Rocks podcast. Welcome to the program. Uh, Jeff Niehaus says, just me and four roses. Just me tonight and you guys, of course, uh, along with the PBR, uh, PBR tonight. Uh, I was all I was all out of Montucky and the local uh, grocery store didn't have Montucky. And then on top of that, we have uh, what is hold on. I've got two different cameras going here. I guess this thing's going to be stupid. Uh, it's uh, the hold on. Uh, hold on. Creme brulee from Brewer's Choice from Boulevard. Creme brulee Brewer's Choice from Alpha. Uh, uh, from uh, 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 Boulevard. This is going to end up being a distraction. I'm getting rid of that. I was going to try something new with the stupid phone, but the stupid phone's going to have to go there. That works out better for me. Uh, Cards Gifts says, Thanks, Stroms. Things are good. Beautiful 61 degrees and caught a pretty nice sunset on the drive home. Gifts get some awesome sunsets in Arizona. That's an actual thing. Now, over on uh, Twitter, it's uh, Kitchens Mitch says, What's up from Coastal Alabama? Again, I don't. <laughs> I'm in a bad shape already. Again, I don't get into this too much. But uh, to Mitch Kitchens, to the family that he is affiliated with, uh, uh, to to all of those people, we raise our glass. We we love us some uh, some coastal and southern and Alabama and Memphis action. Uh, or yeah, Memphis. You know how it is. The family. It's a family thing. Um, over on Twitter, Tori says. Woo! And I got to tell you, Tori's in a hell of a position right now. Uh, she's dressed like a Ku Klux Klan member, and she is uh, painting swastikas on her cat. Uh, that's the thing that's happening. Uh, I'm not making it up. I, I don't know her. She lives in some bullshit town I, somewhere else. I, God only knows. But she was sending gifts and I pictures. Uh, and obviously, neither myself or GIF appreciates it, and she should be ashamed of herself. Uh, it's a joke. It's a joke. Everyone take a, take a deep breath. Uh, what you drinking tonight again, Mr. McNeil, uh, we've got kind of a, a glare, but it is the Boulevard Brewers choice creme brulee there. That's the fancy one. That one's like 13 and a half. And then just a standard PBR. I don't know why I want normally we don't have that thing going on uh, PBR. Our good friend gifts says he's drinking a kilt lifter. That's usually one of gifts go to. He's the best. Jeff Niehaus, uh, puts up. Hold on, let me put this down for a second. It looks like um, a bourbon and maybe a pineapple? I don't know what that is. Stephen McNeil, how are you doing, bud? I haven't talked to you in a while, bud. I hope you're doing well. Uh, Eddie, Ed Diddy, 1979, says, we all live in bullshit towns. Yes. Yeah, hey, look, Cardinals Nation is completely substantiated. It's It thrives because of people from bullshit towns, including the bullshit town that it resides in that it calls its hometown. Uh, and that's the beauty of Cardinal baseball. We're all just a bunch of different assholes from different areas of both that are basically just 
bullshit towns. Oh, stop it. Over on YouTube, Cardinals Gift says, who's I love when Gifts is more involved. It makes me happy. Cheers as well. So cheers as well to everyone. We're going to raise our creme brulee, a Boulevard Brewer's Choice. To the pad people. Ha! Flat Earth Truth says, a hungry for knowledge, Kyle will provide. Thirsty for truth, Kyle knows. This is not a cult. This is a truth stream. Uh, you know, truth is subjective, and my truth is a very, very unusual truth. So, uh, yeah, let's not get carried away. Let's just remember that this is one asshole who now has a microphone that is on full display, depending on which way you're looking. And uh, I don't really know a goddamn thing. I just get lucky every once in a while. Snipzy127 says, my daddy. Uh, I sure hope not. I'm not ready for child support unless you're like 26 at this point. And then son, which would also make me 10 when I was getting after it. And I can tell you that I was not getting after it when I was 10. I don't think you need to look any further than this fucking face and this physique to tell that there wasn't much getting after it until I was like, I don't know, 30. You know what I mean? I wasn't quite 30, but I might as well have been 30 and I've never been good at it. Uh, so to my son, uh, Snipsy127, I got some bad news, bro. I didn't satisfy your mom. The Grave of Einstein says, pad time. That's right, Grave of Einstein. Welcome. I like when we got Flat Earth Truther and the, the Grave of Einstein. Uh, before I get to actually, I'm going to go right to my friend Kareem. So Kareem, sup, Kyle, sup, Kareem. How are you, brother? It's great that you're in here. I want to say Kareem and Cardinals Reek. Uh, they're doing, and I didn't know this until yesterday, and I got really excited about it. They're going to do their own prospect ranking, and I can't wait to see it. I know it's going to be data-driven, and I can't wait to see how it all turns out. Now, in the dirty third or the dirty fifty, which is crazy, uh, I did. I have my preamble ready to go. That's going to go in front of every article, and in that article, I give a hat tip to Kareem Cardinals gifts. Talk about the birds, uh, the the uh, baseball America people, prospect live people. Highlights of people who have been really awesome to me. Cream is one of those people. Cardinal Reeks, I'm going to give a, ha a hat tip to. I didn't do that uh, initially, but I'm doing it now. And inside of my my preamble there, in every article, I'm going to link to other people's prospect lists. I want that to be accessible. So Kareem, I, I, this is all a very long way of saying, like, I will have the link to Baseball America, to Prospects Live, to MLB, to uh, everyone that comes to my mind. And I, I'm going to do that with Kareem's and Cardinal Reeks, to Cardinal Nation. I, I want to make a point to try to get people to subscribe to the Fangraph subscription and the Baseball America subscription and the Baseball Reference and then the Cardinal Nation. Build out this culture. Build out this world. I, I think it's really important. But anyways, Kareem's an awesome dude. I'm going to raise my, my, my booze to him. Thank you for your help with my list uh, and to you. Over on Twitter, and again, if you're on Twitter, we recommend that you go over to YouTube Live. It is a better experience. Uh, as we hide that, uh, Tori says, I'm from Peoria originally, so yeah, it was pretty bullshit. I love Peoria, uh, but I don't know what bullshit town you're in now. Stephen McNeil says, I'm good, man. Two kids and an FT job, a full-time job. Take all my time. I can't imagine what it's like to have any time for anything uh, with those, those things going on, man. Uh, so I understand. I... I have a very, very vague idea of how busy you are. Uh, Edeby1979 says, it's Eric. I'll make it easier on you. Eric, thank you, bud. I appreciate it. Uh, Will Montgomery 3 joined. I don't know why I just said that. I've never said that before, before, uh, before, 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 before. This is already a train wreck. Steve McNeil said, Boulevard is good shit. Best budget BA stouts. Yeah, you know, uh, I would say that that Brewmaster Select Pack, it was six beers, uh, three of like their cherry one, or two of their cherry, two of the creme brulee, and two of like the spice cake. 
and they were all really good. They all tasted different too, which is awesome. Uh, got the Jeremy Clayton. Uh, my good friend Clayton uh, says, got the Ron Jeremy, Mike. Yeah, look, uh, man, I, I, we were careful with Ron Jeremy because Ron Jeremy's been through some things lately, but it's definitely a porn star uh, quality, Mike. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's even got like little buttons here. I don't know what those do. I'm scared to touch them, uh, but they're, you know, pleasurable for some people. Uh, Eric says, Kareem is that dude. I agree, man. I think I think Kareem and Cardinal Reeks and Blake Newbury are the, they're the future of prospect writing for Cardinals, and you guys are in great, great hands. I wish I could be involved in it more. I wish I wish there was some way I could shepherd like a think tank with those three guys and myself. Uh, I, that would be the the thrill of my lifetime. Of course, I'm unmotivated and terrible, and I would bring nothing to it. So, but yeah, no, they're awesome. Over on YouTube, Rojo says, "Good to see you, Kyle. Been a bit Rojo. Uh, I'm not 100 who sure if this is who I think it is, but if it is, uh, I will say I am. I hope it's you. It's a pleasure." Uh, we were just talking uh, uh, about you in Comet, hoping that you were doing well. And if it's not you, then, hey, Rojo, it's great to see you. Uh, uh, staying over on YouTube, again, YouTube, the more pleasant experience. Uh, we, we say, uh, Caleb, uh, Caleb Noble says, do you think Recepo could get some starts this year? Or will he be relegated to the bullpen if he's called up? Love you, Kyle. Yeah, I think more than likely. Uh, and we talked about this in great detail uh, a couple pads ago, just about like how his role shapes up. You know, normally in this position, he'll probably, I wouldn't be surprised if he pushes his way to a start at Memphis to start the 2023 season. I mean, he might go back to Springfield. I don't think anything's wrong with that if it ends up happening. I think that as a guy who kind of wishes they'd pump the brakes on prospects, I'd like to see that unless he's just really pushing their hand in spring training. Uh, but yeah, I, and I think a lot of times when you're talking about somebody who throws with the velocity that he does, I think that more than likely the first taste we'll see of him will be out of the bullpen, whether it be midseason or early season or preseason. Like, I think that that's probably the most likely thing. And, you know, I love Gordon Graceffo. He's he's easily one of my favorite prospects in the organization. And I do think that there's a starter's future there. He has things to work on, of course. And one thing we've talked about for months now is, uh, you know, repeating his delivery. That's been kind of an issue here or there, tipping his pitches a little bit here and there. But uh, I, I do think that there is a starter's future for him if the Cardinals allow that opportunity to happen. You know, he's, I guess the best way of putting it is he's better than Palante, right? Like we all know that he has a higher ceiling. He's probably already as good as Palante is. Uh, and the Cardinals love Palante. And there isn't a real talk about Palante being a starter, right? Palante is a bullpen arm moving forward. Same kind of thing happened with Helsley. You know, there were there were other starting pitchers who were getting real time when Helsley was relegated to the bullpen. Like there never really seemed like a real chance that Helsley or uh, yeah, that Helsley would end up being a starter. And that was a bummer. And I think that that's probably what's going to happen with Graceffo. Uh Palante did get starts last year. So maybe Graceffo finds a way, right, you know, uh, gets makes it to the majors early out of the bullpen and then gets a few starts uh, and then finds his way back into the bullpen. But uh, yeah, I think if you're if you're hedging your bets, if you're guessing, then uh, then we won't see Graceffo as a starter very early on. Putty Chase, what's up? Uh, Andy Robinson again over on YouTube. Again, we we have a little bit lively of a crowd over on YouTube. That's kind of how we've been trying to push this because the Twitter live experience is so shitty. Um, Andy Robinson says, "What's up, Kyle? What have you heard from the two top international signings from last year, Mejia and Rodriguez? Will they be in the states this year? Well, we already know about Mejia, right?" Uh, Mejia's kind of a big deal. Now, Rodriguez, not quite there just yet. Uh, Mejia's a top 10 prospect in my in my rankings. He's a little higher than top 10. 
And he's going to be a top 10 prospect in nearly everybody's rankings. You know, he's he is exactly what all the Cardinal fans wanted. He is a high dollar uh, uh, international signing, uh, one of the top of his class that performed and performed right away and against older talent. And that's usually an indicator of future success. It just is like all of those things line up for him. Now, Rodriguez, I haven't heard much about. I, you know, I not as much. Uh, and truth be told, Rodriguez has had a little bit more um, prevalent of a profile, sort of, uh, to to a lot of degrees. I'm I'm holding off on Rodriguez for now. I'm not there with him just yet. Uh, and it doesn't sound like the people that I've talked to are there with him just yet. But that's there's nothing wrong with that. Like. Give him time. You know, uh, he might be a little bit late bloomer. Remember, his bat was his carry tool. When you're talking about a catcher, that's an issue. Um, and, and, you know, it wasn't like his carry tool the way Bernal's is, uh, where Bernal is also a really good backstop. Like, Rodriguez wasn't there. So there's work to be done. But, yeah, look, Mejia's there. He's on the list. Uh, he's going to be on everybody's list. And he's probably, like, you know, truth be told, aside from the names that we talk about all the time, aside from Walker and Wynn, Henson, Graceffo, and Jerpy, you know, truth be told, Mejia is probably like on that hence level of prospects where everybody, everybody's, he's a year behind, right? Everybody's going to be talking about him the same way we, we were talking about uh, Markevian Hence this year. That's what I think. Uh, and with a chance to next year, just like with Hence, become a premier top 25 prospect in baseball when the opportunity, if, if, if he continues to grow and continues to have success, um, the chance of something like that happening, top 25, top 50 prospect in baseball. Over on YouTube, VHS says, Jordan Walker, high machine in full swing lately. Folks are going to be excited, expecting him to make this team out of spring training. Yeah, you know, and it's a bummer too because, you know, say that uh, say that Dylan – no, it's not a bummer. I hope that he pushes the conversation, of course. I don't want that to get lost. And he's a talented young man and a great baseball player and a great kid. And we are pushing for that. And he does everything that makes both old school fans and new school fans really, really excited. So the convergence is really awesome there. But I think what we're going to see is like, obviously you're going to have your sections of the fan base who will will favor a an outfielder over the others. But say all three of O'Neal, uh, say say all three of O'Neal, Carlson, and Newtbar, right? Because I don't really think it matters what happens with Burleson. People, people have already kind of moved over for him, which sucks and is kind of a joke. But like, you know, say all three of those guys are just average in spring training. They're not really doing anything fantastic. They're just average. And Jordan Walker is doing better than average. You're going to have a lot of people freaking out. And, you know, I know that Jordan Walker has made some pretty awesome strides uh, in in the outfield. He's working hard, but he, he just wasn't there in the Arizona Fall League. He just wasn't there yet. And there are issues with his bat. We started to see the Arizona Fall League pitchers start to exploit the things that we have talked about on prospects after dark. And there are, there are strides that he needs to make that would not hurt him to go back to Memphis. Unless of course, he's just made that next step at the plate adjusted to those things. And also that, that are of a concern that we've talked about a lot and also become a, a full-time absolute defender out in the outfield that, that you can feel comfortable with. Uh, but you're right. I, the hype machine is going crazy right now. I, you know, I, I hate the fact that we have national people who are pushing already pushing for him to uh, break camp with the big league club. And we haven't even gotten to spring training. You know, we're still a month away from spring training. I, it's just, this is the kind of uh, pandemonium that uh, uh, hyperventilating that Joe Strauss used to talk about a lot. That it was part of the reason why I love Joe Strauss. Uh, uh, it's just, be realistic with some stuff.
give the kid a chance to grow. Uh, no 5712. Hold on. I want to make sure I'm not missing anybody. Eric says, do a prospect spaces with these people, endless with those people, endless knowledge. Oh, cool. I didn't even know they did that. Awesome. Uh, number no 5712. Should we trade for Steven Strasburg to up our payroll and get an ace? No, no. I don't think that that's a real thing. I hope that you're joking because that's a lot of fun. That's the kind of crazy shit that we like in there. I don't recognize the NL 5712, but. Yeah, you know, that would be funny. Like, all kidding aside, well, kidding completely, not all kidding aside, but best thing on earth would be if the Cardinals traded for Steven Strasburg and like, see, we got our ace. And everybody would be like, wait, this isn't what we meant by upping our payroll and getting an ace. But uh, that's the kind of chaos I'm here for. So hopefully it happens. Grave of Einstein says, learning how to lock pick while watching. No nefarious intentions from me, I swear. I'll listen for my front door to start jingling. And if it does... I'll just let you in and you can work on lock pick, picking the lock from inside here and then you can do what you want, uh, but we'll get you a beer and we'll put you on your way. Uh, Snips127 says, damn it. Uh, I apologize for that. Over on, uh, oh, hold on, Gifts, I'm going to hide you. Uh, over on Twitter, Adam Apple says, uh, Julio Rodriguez was supposed to have suspect defense coming up, but ended up playing elite center field. Yeah. It's funny how that works out, right? Uh, now, I will say that Julio Rodriguez's defense is not what Jordan Walker's defense, right? Like, the questions with Julio Rodriguez's defense were just a little bit different. Like, and anybody who watched Julio Rodriguez, it was kind of like Dylan Carlson's defense. You know, uh, there were people who would say, oh, he's a fringy center fielder. He's got a fringy arm. And it's just that they weren't watching. They were going off of old reports, and they were talking to each other. And it was just bad, bad scouting. Like anybody who would watch Julio Rodriguez, myself included, uh, when when he was playing against Springfield, I'd be like, oh, no, this this guy's going to be a fine center fielder. Now, I didn't expect him to be elite, but there was there was no thought in my mind that that guy, like if you're watching him, you can tell. And I'm telling you as a guy who watches Jordan Walker, he's just not ready. And he might be. By the time he gets to camp, maybe he is. Uh, especially if you can bury him in a left field or, uh, you know, left field. Maybe not put as much pressure on him in right, even though he's got that awesome arm. Maybe he can transition to right with more experience. But I'm just getting at, like, it's the same kind of thing with 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 Nolan Gorman, right? Like, Nolan Gorman got one full year at double, as a second baseman, got better as that season went on, and then he looked kind of rough to start last year, uh, trying to make the, trying to stick with that transition. And then there were times during the season when he looked rough at second base. And he had a full season and almost two full off seasons to get there. Now, you're talking about moving from third to second as opposed to moving to third in a corner outfield. But reading balls off the bat are tough. Slicing balls off the bat is tough. Going into the gap, going against the wall, going into the corner, these things are not easy. So all I'm saying is, even if he looks like he can handle it, there's going to be rough moments. That's just the nature of being new to a position at the these immense levels. You know, this isn't Julio Rodriguez who's been playing the outfield his entire life and can maybe use some athleticism to make up for a, a bad read here and there. But more than likely, because of reps, Jordan Walker just isn't going to have that. He's not going to be there just yet. And the last time we saw him in the Arizona Fall League, he wasn't near ready, uh, which is not to diminish him. He shouldn't be ready. Most people aren't ready for that. It's not an easy step to make, especially with the work that he's put in at third base specifically. I have no doubt that by the time we get to the end of the 2023 season, he's going to be better than fine in a corner. Uh, maybe a little bit of center. I'm not. I wanted to see him in center. When I saw him in center, I thought, yeah, put him back in a corner. Let's get him to the majors, get that bat up to the majors as soon as possible. But I just think 
if we're pushing the bat, then we're also putting pressure on his defensive abilities because he's not going to DH. And even though he has the mental fortitude to work through the mental issues, uh, all of that tends to rub off. And he's never really struggled. He's never really had a chance to struggle. Yeah, even out in the outfield, you know. Uh, so, you know, it's the same thing. Like, give these guys time. There's no reason to push it. And just like you said a second ago, people also got to remember Walker, Walker is only 20 years old. I think he's, I think he and Wynn are, are 21 or will be 21 in the next, you know, six months or whatever. But yeah, like even then, you know, there was a time when it was unheard of for a 21 year old to make it to the majors. You're talking about 23, 22 at the earliest, you know, 24, give them time. And that's, that's my point in all of this. My, my point in the rant, I'm not by no means am I di diminishing or dissing what Jordan Walker is capable of. Look, he's going to be a major league contributor at a high level for a decade. And people don't realize how rare that is. And I'm probably hedging my bets. Um, so that's not to diminish what he's saying. It's just to say, like, let's keep this shit in perspective. Let's not let's not put pressure on this 20-year-old. He doesn't need that shit. Man, this this fan base is fucking crazy in the first place. Like, we don't we don't need to be putting extra pressure on 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 uh on 20 21 year old kids who already have the pressure of the world on their shoulders in the modern modern times and again if you're if you're new over here uh, remember we've kind of moved and migrated over to YouTube live uh that's probably your best um I guess I'm uh, well yeah that's probably your best viewing viewing habit like all of the questions are coming from YouTube live um all uh you know we can just do more it's a better experience and you're not so zoned in on my face Andy Heckcross says, you going to Cardinal winter warm-up? Yeah, we'll see. It just depends. So, you know, I'm in charge of uh, snow removal during the day in our West County uh, 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 for, for my job. And if it snows or the weather's bad, I'll have to. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy. I'll have to stay and I'll have to work. I won't be able to go to winter warm-up. Uh, but I, I will try to be at winter warm-up if the weather is good. Uh, real fast, over on Twitter. Uh, my good friend, Dan Sar, who I've actually, Dan, I've been thinking about you a lot lately, bud. Uh, I've been thinking about how much we uh, uh, we miss you. Uh, and I hope that you're doing well. He says, can we install Yachty or Wayno? Or, or can we get Albert Pools or Yachty installed as Speaker of the House? Yeah, uh, man, they're having some trouble over there, aren't they? Uh, God, I like the little civil war going on in the Republican Party. But uh, yeah, Dan, Dan, I'll be honest. I'll back anybody you back. You know that, brother. Uh, you, you're smarter about everything than I am. And it's a pleasure for you to be in here. Look, I haven't really done many cheers. I'm not going to cheers with the PBR. I'm going to cheers with this creme brulee from Boulevard Brewing. It's a brewer's choice, uh, 2022. To you, Dan Sar, I love you. I love you. I hope your family's doing well. I hope your, your whole apparatus is well, bud. Uh, uh, from the Reese family to your family, I raise my glass. Tom Cook, uh, Tom Cook says, Cardinal Nation, the only nation I recognize, baby. That's right. We need uh, the Cardinal Nation. Should, Cardinals Nation should have embassies set up in other countries. Uh, Josh Thompson says, Shalom, brother Kyle from West, from Worst Fans. Uh, <laughs> worst Fans, Josh. Sorry, Josh, you threw me off with the Shalom. And that's probably why you get laid so much. Uh, what all do you know about the Cardinals minor league signings? Taylor Motter looks like a cool guy. You know, I don't really know a lot about him. I, I tend to be a little less uh, invested in the 30-plus-year-old uh, players who have been journeymen. But, look, uh, uh, you know, uh, Furman, uh, the the player the Cardinals traded for from the Indians, he looks like he's going to make a Major League debut and maybe play some important um, 
innings for the Cardinals in the coming year. Uh, Taylor Motter's whatever, you know, he's got some interesting data, but it probably doesn't matter. You know, I, I liken these guys to uh, Max Moroff. Like that's, that's kind of the role that they're going to play. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe Motter ends up being something uh, a little bit more, uh, you know, maybe more like Jose Rondon or something like that. Like, uh, you know, maybe something like that. But other than that, I, I don't know much. You know, uh, again, the, the guys I would keep an eye on are uh, Guillermo Zuniga, Logan Sawyer, who I did not put on the dirty, but we will talk about in some capacity. I just, he probably should be on the dirty, but because of his age, I decided not to. And Wilking Rodriguez, who we've talked about. Ah, uh, my good friend Dan is cheers with a civil life porter. Let's meet soon. Dan, you know, I the part of the reason I was thinking about you is we had talked about meeting up for a Cardinal game or going to a Cardinal game. And I kind of stiffed you because I'm giffing all every night uh, that I'm in town uh, for minor league stuff. But we definitely need to make a point before the Cardinals get fired up to have a beer. You can see how just fat and disgusting I've gotten. Uh, and you can laugh at me from afar. But yeah, Dan, I, I'd love that, bud. Uh, again, I, you're the best. You, you've been... My buddy Dan has been one of the few people, even though I've been an ignorant dick to him uh, here and there, and I'm that's just my personality and I'm not pleased with it, but uh, it, people have to live with it. And Dan has dealt with it for longer than anyone. And uh, uh, I am forever thankful and grateful for him and his friendship for all of these years. So uh, Dan, I love you, bud. I, again, I, I'm I, you're the best, bud. Flat Earth Truth says, speaking of bullshit towns, <laughs> Midtown and Downtown West are on the upswing. Let's hope the progress can head further east and north Love my bullshit city. Yeah, I love my bullshit city too. Like I live in the central West End. I'm five minutes away from Midtown. Obviously, just right there at Downtown West. Just another five minutes of Downtown West. That the Midtown corridor is awesome. You know, they were talking about it on Hot Take Central on 590 today with the cat and Cam Jansen and Charlie Marlowe and Nate Lucas and Seth Close. They were talking about the foundry. And I've been to the foundry a couple times and I've loved it there. I think it's awesome. You know, obviously IKEA is a draw and they're they're building top golf right there. There's going to be a target as dumb as that is to get excited about, but that area is really awesome. And then when that connects into Schlafly and the soccer stadium, and then just right outside of that is, is union station, like union station kicks ass too. You know, don't forget about how awesome union station is, which says nothing of course of staying in that line. And you have the Fox in St. Louis university. It's, that's a really great area, and I'm with you. It would be really awesome if that continues to grow, and hopefully our politicians find a way to make all of that work, uh, as well as the community continuing to support uh, what will eventually and hopefully stay a thriving area. Andy Robinson says, hoping to see some significant progress and good health from Ian Bedell this year. I have high hopes. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm huge on Bedell. I was pretty hands-off with Bedell last year, right, when we did the Dirty flirty. I think I had him 40th. And I did that because he was coming off of Tommy John and you just don't know how somebody is going to recover following Tommy John. But the fact that he got back on the mound, even though he didn't have successful uh, statistics, the fact that he worked his way back after dealing with some hiccups in his recovery, I have gotten a little bit more aggressive with him and I put him a little bit closer to where he would have been had he not had Tommy John. I expect high, I have high hopes for him. You know, he's still recovering. You're still hoping for the best. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, by the end of the year, Ian Bedell has put himself in a position to, uh, you know, be at AAA. At least that'd be the hope for that both him, me, and the Cardinals, I'm sure. Again, if you're on you are on Twitter, uh, remember, you can go to YouTube Live. Go to the Birds on the Black YouTube Live page, uh, and we'll get you squared away. Uh, Harris 
Uh, DMO says, hello, love following you on Twitter. First time stopping by, but I've meant to for a lot longer. Hey, to you, uh, Harris, DMO, I raised my glass. I actually, I'm going to go, I need something a little bit lighter, but to you, thank you for being here. Yeah, I'm, I, I would recommend no one follows me. I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a wretch. I, I don't like, it sounds contrary to like being on here and doing this thing, but like, I love entertaining. I don't really like the attention that comes along with it. It's a whole weird psychosis thing. You know, I, I like I like the idea that people are laughing at what I'm saying. I like the idea that people are like, what the fuck did that maniac just say? And they're kind of chuckling. But I don't really want the attention that comes with it. Uh, so I guess all of this is to say thank you for following me. At the same time, I don't it's it's not like a driving force for me. And I hope that you guys feel that too, because I think that makes it more authentic or more real. I don't know. I'm just, I'm trying to be as real and as authentic as I possibly can be all the time while also being kind of cheesy and corny, uh, but in that really weird, um, irreverent way. Uh, but anyways, yeah, no, thank you for being here. Uh, I, I'm, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad that you can make it. And uh, thanks for following. We're going to need water. Oh, Kareem. Says, uh, appreciate the kind words. You're the best. Uh, looking forward to reading all your D50 write-ups. Again, I'm I'm glad you're saying that, Kareem, because uh, again, the minute the minute you guys start publishing your stuff, I cannot wait to get you know get that in front of the eyes of some of my followers too. Um, but I want to remind everybody, and I mean this. This actually comes from my heart. I I am a terrible writer, and I am so sorry ahead of time uh, for the the grammatical errors and the mistakes. And the poor wording and the stream of conscious uh, nature for which I rise, uh, like, I'm just sorry about it. And it's part of the reason, a small part of the reason why I don't, I kind of stopped doing it because I'm embarrassed by it and I don't like it. Uh, But it's also good because uh, you can see that I'm just some asshole and hopefully you understand that I should not be kept to any higher standard. But it's going to be awesome, too, because when you guys put your shit out, when you and Reeks, Kareem and Cardinal Reeks put out their shit, you know it's going to be good. And it's going to be well well written and it's going to be professional. And uh, you won't get that from me, which I think is 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 good. Jeff Neoff says, any chance Hicks gets to start again this year, maybe in spring training, see how it goes? You know, I wouldn't think so. Uh, that was that was such a tumultuous thing last year. I I will forever say that I was on board with it. I wish there would have been a little bit more lead up uh, than the spring training after a lockout. Like, oh, here you go. But that was the nature of unexpected injuries and coming out of a lockout. And you kind of had to adjust on the fly. And they went with something that was a little bit more uh, modern for the first time. It doesn't really seem like that's what they're in store for. And I think that they understand, you know, Hicks is going to need to be an important uh, bullpen uh, arm for them. Um, I, I just, I don't think it'll happen. I'm not against it if if it's given the right buildup time, uh, but it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen. It seems like he's just too important to the bullpen uh, with some of the starting options that they have that they might not have had last year. A hair maze DML says, do you know how uh, Juan Bin Cho did this year? Any chance he moves up any prospects list? So uh, I believe it. So I call him what, you know, it looks like Juan, Juan Bin Cho, but I believe it's actually Win Bin Cho, even though it's an O and an I again, I'll just say Cho to not uh, embarrass myself any further than I already have any chance he moves up on the prospects list. Uh, yeah, look, I would suggest, you know, um, Jeff Pontus over at Baseball America, has been leading the charge with Cho. Saw him at the backfields last year, was really impressed. You know, we all saw the YouTube YouTube videos and the Twitter videos, how impressive this young man is. Now, he didn't get a ton of at-bats last year 
on the complex, at least in-game, statistically tracked at-bats. He was getting plenty of reps. Uh, and yeah, look, I do think you're going to see him move his way up on Cardinal list. I I believe that... Okay, so where, where Cho is interesting is I don't think I've been given the opportunity to rank him. Like, I, I, throughout the year, I was doing my, I was doing my lists and I just never published it. Cause I didn't want to write, uh, cause I'm lazy and also I'm terrible at it. Uh, so like for me, he's actually fallen just a little bit and it's just mostly because of the, some of the guys I want to put ahead of him. Some of the guys, uh, specifically some of the relief pitching options in the Cardinals organization that I've kind of pushed ahead of him. Uh, and it has more to do with that. And also like, I look, I'm going to come forward with you. I put him 25th on my list. And the reason I did it is my list is 50 long and I put him right in the middle because he's the perfect, just like we did with Edwin Nunez last year. Now with Edwin Nunez, I wanted to put Nunez further down the list. Like I wanted him right in the 40 range because he, he measures so well, but he's not a good pitcher and he probably will never be uh, still young, still plenty of time to add to get better. So let's let, we won't rule him out just yet. He's not on the dirty, but he'll be one of the pitchers we talk about shortly thereafter. Um, I put him in the middle because he is a perfect, the perfect combo of like, if he just performs, he's going to be a top 15 prospect, top 10 prospect. And he, ha and he has the potential. He has all of the skills to be a top 15, top 10 prospect in the organization, if not more than that. It's just not there yet. So right smack dab in the middle uh, because he just hasn't performed yet, even though he hasn't been given a chance to perform and he's just not there yet. I put him smack dab in the middle. Again, that's there's no science to that. Like better evaluators, like probably Kareem and Cardinal Reeks and Jeff Pontus and Blake Newberry, uh, they'll they'll do they'll do more scientific work than I will into it, uh, and that substantiates their lists in ways that mine don't deserve to be substantiated. But uh, again, I think I think what I try to offer more than anything is perspective, uh, just as much as evaluation, and as, I guess perspective and evaluation if that makes sense i feel like that's that's really the only thing i i can offer uh over on hey uh over on twitter uh our good friend matt thompson and again matt and blake's in here it says i love both you guys i've been giving you guys shout outs all night um youtube live is kind of where we're at we're getting a little bit more uh, interaction we can put the questions up it's awesome but um matt thompson from prospects live says what up man Always love the pads. Matt, I love you. Uh, so to Matt, I want to raise my PBR. I'm probably going to polish this thing off, honestly. Over on Prospects Live today, and again, Prospects Live is awesome. I, I Go to their Patreon. Subscribe, 10 bucks. Uh, I, I, it's worth every dime. I had I had unsubscribed because of finances, and I resubscribed at the beginning of the year uh, because I love them, and I want to, I want to help them out because they rock. But go to Prospects Live. They released the Cardinals Top 30. You'll be able to see their Top 10. You have to subscribe to get the other 20, but they did awesome work and it's a team effort. And I love that. You know, a uh, Tehran is in there. Uh, a uh, Trevor's in there. Um, Matt does a write-up that it's everybody from prospects live uh, coming together to give you the write-ups of the top 10 prospects in the organization. It's very, very well done guys to, to you, Matt, to everybody. We raise our glass. That's a hell of an achievement. Yeah. That PBR didn't stand a chance. Uh, let's see over on YouTube. And again, sorry about the, uh, I, every time I tell myself, Hey, I'm not going to do this anymore. I do it. Putty chains. They have trade. They have trade some outfielders, right? O'Neill, Carlson, Newt, Yepes, Walker, Donovan, Alec, Gomez. Sure. I am missing some. So all right, we'll go over them one by one, right? 
O'Neal, no, you don't need to move him. Carlson, you don't need to move him. Newt, you don't need to move him. Yepes and Walker aren't really outfielders just yet. Donovan is not an outfielder. He should be your starting second baseman. He should move around every day. Alec is an outfielder. Gomez is an outfielder. Uh, and you can never, like, so what are you talking about? You're talking about five outfielders, a DH, and a converted third baseman, and what it should be your starting utility player, but also your starting second baseman. Like, you can never have enough backup. Yeah, you talk about trading them. Like, what are you going to do, trade them for more outfield? Uh, that doesn't solve anything. Uh, I understand the thought process, right? You want to shore up the outfield. Uh, but you don't need to trade any of these people now. You can wait till the season gets a little bit more. Uh, you can actually get into the season and adjust from there. I think you'll find out more. Uh, some of the end, you know, like we talk about, and we talked about this on pad a lot since we started doing it pretty regularly. Like, what are we talking about with O'Neill? He got off to a bad start last year. And then when he was healthy, he was 25% above league average and producing runs. Uh, Carlson, when he was healthy last year, uh, you know, he dealt with some injuries at the beginning of the year and then busted out. And then maybe those injuries came back and put him on the IL at the end of May. Uh, and then he fucked up his wrist. But when he was good, you know, you're talking about a guy who's one year removed from being 13% above league average, which is probably his sweet spot if he's healthy. It's just about that risk. Lars Newpar, there's every reason to buy into Lars. And every day, it seems like he gives us a new reason to buy in a little bit more. So then all you're really talking about is Walker, who you don't really need to get crazy about. You can let him develop at his own pace. You're talking about Yepes, who is probably a DH and is actually a young hitter who could probably handle the DH role. And then Alec, Alec Burleson and uh, Moises Gomez, who honestly, if they're your fourth and fifth outfielders, you're in great shape. You know, uh, you need you need that outfield depth. Unless your starting outfield is Ken Griffey Jr. and Barry Bonds and uh, uh, Jim Edmonds. Like, you need that starting, you need that depth. And you need those guys to get at bats. So, no, like, you don't have to trade any of those. Sure, Mike Antico's a little further down if you want to get a little crazy. Yeah, like, Mike Antico's the kind of guy I would think about trading if another team was interested. That's the kind of the kind of player you trade. But when your offense still has some question marks and your outfield still has question marks, and, you know, someone like Brian Reynolds isn't really going to solve much. He's better. He's at more of a sure thing than those other, those other guys. But there's no guarantee that he's going to be next year. You know, I, so let's... Let's pump the brakes on trading one of them. You know, I, if, if I'm the Cardinals, go into the year, see what you have, and adjust in season. Uh, right now, they have no reason at all. It's not like the division's competitive. Uh, it's not like, you know, it's not like there's any pressure to trade any of them now. Find out what you got and adjust from there. VHS says, Joe Strauss blocked me for telling him off uh, for talking down to Tim Cooney. Yeah, you know, that was the one thing about Strauss. You know, he said some really dumb shit about Carlos Martinez, which, unfortunately, Carlos never really proved wrong, which sucks. And he had some pretty unusual takes. And he definitely tried to stir it up with the fan base. Uh, and maybe in an ungenuine way, which kind of, you know, ruined relations with the fans. But uh, again, I, I love Joe Strauss. His Sunday article was uh, my favorite article. And actually, I haven't, you know, other than uh, I I just, I haven't gotten into reading an article the way that I've, I used to because since he passed. Colin Hughes says, would you want to trade Flaherty? It depends on what you trade him for. You know, I, my answer is no, I, I don't see the reason for trading Flaherty. You know, you're not going to get matching value uh, for what you might get out of him. You're going to get a diminished return. And if you get an upgrade from Flaherty, then you're going to have to include more. And what is that more? Like, it's not going to be Flaherty for Brian Reynolds. You know, it's not going to be Flaherty for Shane Bieber. You know, yeah, like there's no reason to trade him. You know, there's just, it's, 
you trade him in July if your team is bad. And they're not going to be bad. They're not going to, well, they might not be good. They might be mediocre. I mean, I don't think they'll be mediocre. I think they'll be better than mediocre. Uh, they might be mediocre, but they're not going to trade Flaherty if they're mediocre. So, no, I, I I, would say that it just depends on the deal. I would trade anybody in the right deal. Even going to Putty Change's question just a second ago about the outfield. Look, I'd trade any of those guys uh, in the right deal. But it has to be the right deal. I'm not just trading them to, you know, to trade them. And that's how I feel about trading Flaherty as well. Uh, Tom Cook, uh, we love you, Tommy. I, I'm, I can't believe I just called you Tommy. Tom, hello, hello, Thomas. Uh, playing a corner outfield probably prolongs Walker's career too. Yeah, you know, I think when it's all said and done, Walker is going to be a first baseman. Um, but yeah, like that's not to diminish what he's going to be capable of of playing a corner outfield. You're right, as compared to being a third baseman, and I, I think it's probably safe to say, as they've done, as many teams have done with this type of player and this type of bat, getting him in the outfield where he doesn't have to focus so much on defense and defensive assignments and the stresses that come with playing a corner and a corner in the infield and moving him to a corner outfield will probably get his bat going a little earlier than it might otherwise. And it'll probably uh, keep his career going a little bit, a little bit longer. Uh, but again, I, we'll see. Jabbernaut says, Hey Kyle, how do you, how do you think the Cardinals should handle Alec Burleson next season? Jabbernaut, I honestly like, I want them to avoid the urge to go out and sign some type of Corey Dickerson type left-handed bat and just give those at bats to Alec Burleson. Like I want to see Alec Burleson get uh, uh, a decent amount of at bats all year. Like I, I want to see him as the fourth outfielder playing a corner, giving Newt and Carlson and O'Neill a little defensive break and getting at bats against lefties, getting at bats against righties, you know, maybe getting a, a, a Lane Thomas amount of at bats in the first month of the season, something like that. If the Cardinals can make it work with all three outfielders and days off, which makes it really tough, like that's what I want to see out of Alec Burleson. You know, I believe Juan Yepes is going to be a solid DH. I love the fact that Moises Gomez and and Juan Yepes are going to come to spring training, kind of battling for that that fifth outfielder role. With Yepes have a chance to play a little bit of infield, but mostly supply a bat in the DH role. Because I think both of those guys, you know, I trust Yepes more as a hitter uh, in the DH role. I worry about Gomez, you know, kind of being out there a little bit, not being able to really handle the, the pressures and the nature of being a DH. But, like... That that's what I want out of Alec out of, out of Alec Burleson. I want him to get a real chance at more than like forty four at bats in fifty days or whatever. Whatever he got, like I want him to get forty four at bats in fifteen days. And I want to see the Cardinals make that happen. I want to see him get at bats against tough pitchers because he gives great at bats. Like that's what I want to see, and I, I think that's how the Cardinals should handle it. Now, all of these guys. Nolan Gorman, even even the guys like that, I think should be locks. So that means Carlson and Newtbar and O'Neill and Donovan and Yepes. They all still have to earn it, you know. So Burleson has to earn it. Gomez has to earn it. Uh, and unfortunately, they'll have to earn it in spring training, which means fuck all because spring training is fuck all. A random fog says, "I raise my glass to you, Kyle, for 24 rotation of Cardinals resign Miles and still have Mats." Which of the prospects might round out the rotation? Could Jerpy be in the mix? Yeah, my suggestion would be that at that point, you're talking about Cooper Jerpy making a, a major league debut and having a chance to break camp in 2024 
with the Cardinals. Now, it's not this is this is not me telling you how this would go. This is me like how I would do it. This is me telling you how I think it'll go. Dakota Hudson will certainly be a part of that rotation. Um, I would say that if you're just focusing on uh, the the prospects, I don't think they really have that. I don't think they have a lot knocking on the door from a starting pitching standpoint. You know, it, it depends on the development that, of Connor Thomas and his cutter and how it works with the slider and his changeup and his two-seam and how it's all working together. You know, I think Connor Thomas might have a spot in there, which, again, if we're just talking about internal options, that would make sense. You know, uh, Jake Woodford, who the Cardinals don't have any idea what to do with, and hopefully the strides that he made with their tutelage to retool his slider gives him a chance to really make up some, save some face, make up some ground that the, the, maybe the coaching staff and the front office don't believe in him because he did, he did everything that they asked him to do with that slider and the arm slot and the way he threw it and everything. And he did it and it made him a, it made the success that he was having more sustainable, but yet he isn't getting nearly the love that someone like Dakota Hudson is getting. Now the Cardinals are working hard with Dakota Hudson, uh, uh, Dusty Blake and uh, LeVac, like, Dusty Blake specifically is working to retool his mechanics a little bit, make sure that the slider and the sinker are coming out of the same location, uh, speeding him up, cleaning up his mechanics, and hopefully that sticks. But yeah, look, you don't need to you don't need to look at the prospects because McGreevy is not going to be there more than likely unless Libertor has made huge strides keeping his velocity into starts and change how he throws both his sinker and his fastball. You know the Cardinals will rely on that entering 2024 if they don't bring out in outside talent. Uh, I wouldn't, but they will. Because it's what they do. McGreevy won't be there. I believe Graceffo deserves a chance. It seems to me like this is where Andre Pallante would come in uh, in the starter talk. You know, it'll be one of those things they'll bring in one starter and they'll they'll talk about having six or seven options for two spots. Uh, and they'll be internal and then they'll bring in some bullshit arm uh, if they can't sort other stuff out. That's what I think. That's not what I would do, but that's what I think. Victoria, hello, Victoria. Welcome to Prospects After Dark. To you, I'll raise my water. I haven't had, touched my water yet. Oh, yeah. VHS says, what's spring training going to be like with half the team away at the World Baseball Classic? You know, I don't think it's really going to feel that much different than any other spring training, right? We're only going to watch it for a little bit. Um, guys will get in, you know, guys were getting in and for you get the first couple of weeks, right? And you don't really have like the starters in there for more than one at bat, maybe two. Uh, and then they're out. Like, I don't. I don't think it's going to feel any different that much. You know, I don't think it's going to look that much different. A lot of these guys aren't new to us that are going to be getting these at-bats, I don't think. You know, sure, Walker's going to get more at-bats. Wynn will probably get some at-bats. Gomez will get more at-bats. But I think this what this really does is it gives Yepes more at-bats, Burleson more at-bats, uh, you know, gives Newt Bar and O'Neal and Carlson a chance to work some things out maybe a little bit more. We'll see a little bit more Furman. Uh, Furman. Uh, we'll see, like, for who I keep calling Vermont, even, you know, because I'm terrible at pronunciation. I think that you'll see Scott Hurst, Justin Turner. Like, I just think you'll see them for one or two innings more in a game than you otherwise might have. Like, and then they'll they'll do that thing where, you know, all of a sudden Trent Baker will be pitching in a game and you'll be like, who the fuck is Trent Baker and why is he pitching? And where the fuck is Michael McGreevy or Gordon Graceffo? Like, I don't care about Trent Baker. I want to see these other guys. Like you might see Alfredo Ruiz. You know, you might see. Uh, uh, maybe we'll we'll get uh, Andre Granillo and Andrew Marrero and uh, Gene Luca Delatri and DJ Carpenter and uh, Chandler Arnold and Jack Ralston. Like maybe we'll get 
more pictures that we otherwise might not have seen. Uh, Griffin Roberts, maybe. Whatever the fuck that is or that means. Um, Hayes Heineke. Chris Gerard, like we'll see, maybe we'll see those guys instead, uh, whereas we otherwise might not. But I, I really don't think it's going to be that much different, uh, at least at first. Cardinals fan 0213 says, Do you think the pitching is underrated and overhated? No elite ace, but very solid five guys. I think that the hate is a little unwarranted, but the pitchers don't do themselves a lot to help themselves, if that makes sense, right? Like, it wouldn't be hated so much if, and the if is what changes this whole talk, right? If Adam Wainwright hadn't have fizzled out so hard in September, if Steven Matz didn't have, you know, 60% good starts and 40% terrible, terrible starts and bad health. You know, if Dakota Hudson was a good pitcher in the first place, you know, if Jack Flaherty could stay healthy. Uh, so I, I think that it's underrated to a degree because they do have five solid guys who might be a little bit more than solid. Uh, you know, I, I think Montgomery's fine. I think he's whatever. I don't, you know, I, he's fine. Uh, but I, I also think that it deserves a criticism it's getting. For me, it's not a, an either or. It's kind of all of those things all at once, honestly. Uh, Matt Stromer says, can you talk about how Mason Re Mason win increased his slugging uh, by about 80 points from 21 to 22? Do you think he'd be a 450 slug guy in the majors? I don't look. I tend to hedge my bets. Do I think he can be? Yeah, there's a chance that he can be. Is it a good chance? No, no, I don't think so. But that's not that's not to beat him up. Like, I think that he can be a 380 to 410 slug guy at the major league level. I think I think he can be a 760 OPS guy at the major league level and playing really, really good uh, um, defensive shortstop. I think that he has the increase in power and slug because he spent the entire offseason focusing on hitting as opposed to focusing on hitting and pitching and changes mechanics a little bit and changed his uh, approach a little bit to jump on pitches early in counts when it was time to. You know, I think getting a little struggling at, at Peoria for maybe the first time in his life uh, in 2021 opened his eyes about how he needed to work and what he needed to do. And because he's a smart and talented kid, he adjusted to it and learned from it. And I think that that's really awesome too. Um, so like, that's all just to say that, no, I don't think 450 is reasonable. Uh, I do think it's a potential. I, I'm not trying to undersell his ability to slug the ball because, you know, while he doesn't have uh, like he's not built big. He has the bat speed and the ability to find the barrel that will give him more power than maybe he's projected to have. But it's just like a 450 slug. If he's going to be playing shortstop every day is a huge ask. Uh, and I, I think more realistic, you know, on a high end being in the 420, 415 range. I, I just, I tend to always try to be more realistic than anything else. The Grave of Einstein says Kyle Lehay struggled a lot in the AA Arizona Fall League this year, and now he's in AAA. Now he's not in AAA yet. He will be in AAA almost certainly. Uh, do you th he's on the AAA roster, but remember they do that to protect from the minor league stage of the Rule Five. Uh, do you think he can get to form in Memphis, or is he hopeless at this point? He's not hopeless. Look, we we do a lot of screenshotting and a lot of gifting of Kyle Lehay. Uh, I like Kyle Lehay a lot. 
And when you watch him, you can see the stuff is actually pretty good. The problem is he doesn't command it particularly well, and he leaves a lot of it over the middle of the plate. And when he leaves it over the middle of the plate, which happens a lot, a lot, it gets fucking crushed. Uh, So if he can work on his command and find the corners and pitch with a little bit more authority, then he's not hopeless at all. No, no, no. None of these guys are hopeless. You know, Delvin Perez at his worst was not hopeless. Trey Fletcher is not hopeless. There's no such thing as a hopeless prospect, especially not one, especially not a pitcher, really. I mean, the pitchers, they have they have shelf life, right? Um, but it's going to take a, a refinement in command to get there because he does have stuff that might make him a Chris Ellis-type major leaguer. Um you know, a guy who swings back and forth and plays for a couple different teams and has some good moments here and there. Uh, so, no, not hopeless, but not not hopeful, if that makes sense. Somewhere in between, as it often is. Paris DMO says, I don't know why, but I can't get myself hyped up for win. I want to, but I just feel like his tools won't carry over. Well, he has elite speed, elite athleticism, and elite arm. He has uh, some pretty good contact skills to go along with the ability to find some power. Like, I to me, I'm going to tell you right now why I think people can't get hyped up for him. I think it's because of lazy evaluators on the national level. Now, I want to bring it back to earth a little bit too because I don't think Mason Wynn is going to be a perennial all-star. I think he's going to be a really great player. I think there's all-stars in his future. You know, ideally, his his the best outcome that you could ever have like is Gene Segura. Like, if he, he can be that, that is... That will be him at his best. That would be him reaching all of his potential. Uh, He won't be that because it's fucking hard to be that. But he'll be some level of that. And you don't have, like, I like that you're not hyped up for it. I think it's important to not be hyped up for it. I think people are overhyped for Jordan Walker. I think people were overhyped. For, for Nolan Gorman and Matthew Libertor. I think they were underhyped for guys like Brendan Donovan and Juan Yepes, no matter how often we try to tell them that those guys were going to be good. Uh, I think that it's okay for everybody to not be as hyped up about the top prospects because what happens when you get hyped up is you end up having these unrealistic expectations for these guys, and it's just not fair to them, and it's not fair to you, and it's not fair to fans. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that, and I think it's worth being realistic, but he's a major leaguer. You know, he he is a major leaguer, and he's a major leaguer for a couple years, and if it ends up being uh, peak Cosmo level, it's peak Cosmo level, but there's more in there. There's more of a potential of that, and even if he ends up being – Pete Cosmo or Brendan Ryan, uh, that is a hugely valuable asset for a team and major leaguer at times. There, It's just he has the potential to be substantially more than that. Tom Cook says, Kyle, you're authentic. Your authenticity is an inspiration to fellow gremlins like me. Hey, bro, we just got to be ourselves. To uh, the worst fans in baseball podcast, I'm anxious, and I'm sorry if I missed it, for your next uh, installment of the 1982 documentary podcast series you're doing. The first one focused mostly on Whitey Herzog was really fucking good. Everybody should check it out. Uh, But to you guys over there, you're the best. Colin Hughes says, hey, Kyle, uh, what do you think about Michael McGreevy's struggles in double A? I think that if we rewind to when the Cardinals drafted him, a lot of people will remember that we were doing the draft pad. And I wasn't particularly excited about the draft pick. I was kind of uh, uh, I was kind of bummed out about it. Uh, over on Twitter, the rumpus says, so we should trade Carlson, right? No, no. Unless, again, trade all the guys in the right deal, but don't just trade him to trade him. Um, 
I was a little bit less than excited about that. Now, what we've learned from Michael McGreevy are, are lessons that we need to apply to the 2022 draft pick. So Pete Hansen, Bryson Mounts, Cooper Jerpy. Those three guys are probably in Max Raychick. Those four guys are probably going to have a lot of success at the low levels of the minors. They're command first college arms, which means, well, I guess Bryson Mounts isn't. Uh, he's fastball slider, but he's going to have success at the lower levels. Um, maybe hopefully more like Austin Love level, but we'll see there. Um, I That's all to say, like, I'm not surprised. I don't really value Michael McGreevy the same way that a lot of other people do. You know, I, there was a lot of Shane Bieber talk because of the, the college connection, and that was stupid when they drafted him. He's, he's not that. And it was really awesome that he had the success that he had at Peoria. Can't beat that. It just goes to show you that when you have some really great ability to throw strikes at the lower levels, you can get away with some stuff. Now, I do think Michael McGreevy has a major league future in his career. Uh, uh, I don't know if it's more Jake Woodford or Matthew Libertor or Dakota Hudson, something like that. Uh, unless, again, he's done some serious refining this offseason, which could very well happen. He's only 22 years old, and he's a smart baseball rat, and he's working hard. But, uh, like... My thoughts are it's to be expected. Just like now Gordon Graceffo, who I am way higher on, who I know will have a major league future and could be a very special player. Um, I wasn't surprised by his struggles at double A. You want to know why? Because the jump from high A, the jump from double from high A to double A is really fucking big. And also in the Texas league, there's some really small parks. Uh, and also when you don't have an extremely lively fastball and you leave anything over the middle of the plate, those advanced hitters are going to hit it. And both of those guys learn that. The difference is Graceffo has the stuff to get away with making mistakes when his arm isn't dead or he isn't trying to feel it. It's just he needs to work on release point and, and continuing to repeat his mechanics in order to reach his ultimate ceiling. Whereas Michael McGreevy probably needs to retool and retool and retool and retool and find a fastball that will actually get swings and misses and find a fastball that actually works. Uh, uh, and without that, like he's probably Jake Woodford, you know, to give you an idea or again, Dakota Hudson or uh, Matthew Libertor. Like he's, he's in that group. I, more than likely, honestly, Luke Weaver. I just keep thinking Luke Weaver, Luke Weaver, Luke Weaver. Now, what what McGreevy has that Weaver didn't is multiple pitches and better command, whereas, you know, Weaver was basically just fastball changeup and a curveball that never really came along, and then he lost command after having some promising starts. Uh, but, yeah, like, that's that. my thoughts on a struggle are it's expected of any young player who's in their first full year in an organization to struggle when they reach double-A. Don't think maybe too much into it, but how he's struggling is a concern. And it's basically because even though he throws strikes, he throws them in the wrong, the wrong quadrants. He wasn't getting chases on breaking pitches low and the advanced hitters were hitting him because his stuff wasn't good enough to get by him. Uh, and hopefully that changes. Waiterade says, do you have anything on Jake Walsh's health for 2023? You know, I do not. I'm going to make a note of that, and hopefully next pad I will have information on you. I've been meaning to ask, and I haven't. That's on me. Uh, Matt Parker says, uh, Winbin Cho already has an 80-grade bat flip. I agree, Matt. You know, he's an exciting kid. He's an exciting kid that plays with a lot of energy. And, again, just another one of those prospects that a lot of Cardinals fans have. Oh, Jesus. 
<laughs> oh, that's actually really funny. Uh, uh, that uh, that uh, makes him a very, very exciting prospect in a lot of ways. Nick Weiser says, per Jim Bowden two hours ago, it's believed the cards are working to acquire a certain player but want to make sure more specifics don't leak because it would hurt their chances of completing a trade. There's no way that that's really Jim Bowden. It sounds like Jim Bowden because he's an idiot. Uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, like uh, that – if it's a parody of a Jim Bowden tweet, it definitely sounds like Jim Bowden. Now, I will tell you, when I typed in on Twitter, Jim Bowden, I put in Bloden. And uh, that's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. Jay Dizzy. Hey, reminder of the people over on Twitter, uh, Twitter Live. Remember, we are... Um, that's funny. We are over on YouTube Live. And it's a much more pleasant experience um hold on let me make sure yeah uh, it's a much more pleasant experience uh indeed uh zach hey zach gifford says sup kyle hope you don't mind if i lurk while i work zach i wouldn't have it any other way now this this was about 20 minutes ago zach i hope you are still here uh, i love you bud to you zach i'll raise my brew i hope you're doing well man matt thompson says trade antico after his afl performance in front of scouts for all other clubs I'm with you. Like, I think, you know, he has just, he's produced just the right amount of power. And there's this fallacy about his defense and center. Now, I want to say we've, oh, oh, Jay Dizzy says, turning in, uh, tuning in from Oahu, Oahu, Hawaii. It's 4 p.m. here. Aloha, Pat homies. To you, Jay Dizzy. Welcome back to Pat. I love you. Thank you for being with us from from Hawaii. We love you, bud. Have a great, what is hopefully a vacation. Now, I want to talk about Antico's defense because I'm gonna I want to keep going and going. Mike Antico, because of his skills with his speed, has the potential to be the best defensive outfielder in the Cardinals organization. He isn't right now. He's scared of the walls and he's scared of the gap, and he's really good about coming in on ball, but he misses a lot of balls, a lot of balls at the wall, uh, at the track, and in the gaps. And it happens because he's scared. Now, he can work through that. I actually remember watching Harrison Bader do something very, very similar. And it was part of the reason why I don't think I realized how fast he was because he'd go into the gaps and he'd start, like, slowing down. Now, Antigo needs to work through the mental side of that if he wants to reach his potential as the best defensive center fielder on the farm in the Cardinals organization. Uh, uh, now, I don't think he's as good as maybe some other options, but uh, he needs to work through that. But he hasn't shown signs of working through that. And to me, when I watch him, it's only gotten worse. Now, that's in juxtaposition, too, to Justin Turner, who ran through a wall and ended his 2019 season. To Connor Capel, who was never scared. You know, Dylan Carlson, who was never scared. Harrison Bader, who was never scared. So it's just, he has the potential. It's just not there. And just like Matt Thompson is saying, there's a lot there that scouts would love, new school baseball fans would love, and old school baseball fans would love. Between his speed, his weird-ass swing, and the surprising amount of pop that comes off of his bat, and his ability to take walks, which will greatly decrease when he goes up against better talent that isn't worried about putting him on base because of how fast he is and how good of getting jumps and stealing bases he is. Uh, but yeah, move him. I, honestly, that, he's the exact person I, I would move. And if I, I just I don't get why the Cardinals wouldn't move him if other teams were asking and in the right deal, of course. Taylor Cruz says, am I crazy for being higher on Jerpy than Hence? No, look, I think uh, now Taylor Cruz, I will talk to you from experience. I'll be honest. I'll give you I will give you guys my top five in the dirty flirty. 
It is number one, Walker. It is number two, Jerpy. It is number three, Hence. Number four, Win, and number five, Graceppo. Uh, again, I don't. I I prefer to do it this way, anyways, than write because I'm such a fucking terrible writer. But I think with people like you and me, and I, I'm speaking for you, but I I want to make sure that I'm only speaking for me. There's a certain amount of certainty that comes with Cooper Jerpy that we don't have with Markevian Hence just yet, and that's where I I kind of put my eggs in this particular basket when I did the dirty. And for me to, for me, like I like that little bit of certainty that comes more with jerpy than comes with hence. And I also think that jerpy is just so unique in the type of pitcher he is and what he does and how his stuff moves and how modern and how uh, uh, attacking he is. Like he, Maybe he's Nick Lodolo. Maybe he's a little bit more than Nick Lodolo. Maybe he's a lot more than Nick Lodolo. But I think Nick Lodolo is a good baseline for what we could be looking at. You know, a very unique, uh, really, really potentially dominant uh, left-handed pitcher, but also has some rough moments. So I think I think that's why I have Jerpy. I think that I just trust him a little bit more, uh, even though Hence has maybe more potential. Like, And, you know, Hence will be able to, because of his arm slot, will be able to toy with pitches a little bit more where Cooper Jerpy's kind of Cooper Jerpy, Cooper Jerpy, and he's going to kind of, he's going to always have to be fastball sinker, cutter slider, change up, uh, or, you know, he's not really ever going to be able to add a curveball because of the arm slot that's going to be able to be effective enough unless he throws it a little bit. Um, so, yeah, like that, that's my thoughts. I, I, I don't think you're crazy for being that way. I think it makes a lot of sense to be that way. But to me, I think the lesson I take from the, the, this new debate, it isn't a debate, uh, the Jerpy Hence uh, talk here is that how awesome is it that the Cardinals have Cooper Jerpy and Markevian Hence, especially with as thin as their minor league pitching appears to be from a starting perspective. They've got these two potentially supremely talented starting pitching, pitching options in their not-too-distant future, really. Uh, Matt Thompson says, is Mason Wynn more Andres Jimenez or Jose Iglesias to you. You know, honestly, Matt Thompson, I don't know Andres Jimenez well enough anymore. Like, I think he's, knowing what I know about Jose Iglesias, I think he's probably more Andres Jimenez than he is Jose Iglesias. But, you know, I, I'm embarrassed to say that I just, I don't know. Like, I know Jose Iglesias because he's fucking Jose Iglesias, but I don't know Andres Jimenez that well. I think, I think looking at the stat line, I think Andres Jimenez is a really interesting comparison for what Mason Wynn could be. Yeah, like, I, I think so, but, Without really having the intimate knowledge of Andres Jimenez, uh, I'll just hedge his way because I think I don't think he's a lot like Jose Iglesias, uh, all things considered, or even even young Jose Iglesias for that matter. Josh Thompson says, "Hey, what's up, Josh? Uh, Kyle, what do you think of the idea that we could potentially move Mats to the pen and let someone like Libby or or one of our AAA studs take the fifth spot?" The question assumes Hudson is gone. Well, so this is actually something that. <laughs> this is actually something, by the way, uh, this question came in at 757. It is 818. Uh, again, if you're on Twitter, uh, go over to YouTube. We have a better crowd and it's a better experience. Uh, you know, my thought is honestly, I would have liked for the Cardinals to sign one of the starters and convince Steven Matz to move to the bullpen because I believe, I believe that Steven Matz could be that dominant lefty out of the bullpen that the Cardinals paid Andrew Miller to be, but Andrew Miller was not capable of being at that point in his career. That's what I feel about Steven Matz. Now, I also am not, 
I am not down on Steven Matz as a starter. He needs to find more consistency. Absolutely. And I worry about the health of his knee because as far as we know, it hasn't had a procedure done to it. And, uh, you know, that's that's an issue to me because eventually that knee is going to creep back up no matter how well he's he's rehabbed it. Uh, just another injury to add to it. But, yeah, like that's what I would have liked. I, I don't want that to be Libertor. I, like if you're going to move Steven Matz to the bullpen, you do it to bring in a sure thing. You don't you don't replace it with another question mark. And that's that's what I would have liked to have seen because I believe that Steven Matz and Zach Thompson could be a great one-two left-handed punch. Now, I think Zach Thompson and JoJo Romero, because Henesis Cabrera was dog shit at the end of the year last year, and not just for the major league team, but for the the Memphis squad, uh, did not look good, did not regain his velocity. Uh, it, you know, a lot of, lot of stuff to be concerned about there. It might have been arm fatigue, and maybe he'll come back throwing that heat again. But... Um, you know, and then Packy Naughton, who I think is a perfectly suited for that between that tweener role, a great depth to have that you can, you know, go from AAA to, to the major leagues as you need. Like, I think Steven Matz could really tie that bullpen together is all I'm trying to say. Uh, uh, but that's that's how I would do it. I would only move him, not for one of the internal options. Uh, I would move him if you had a clear upgrade to the starting staff. Victoria said, cheers, sir. D to you, Victoria. Again, so I'm going to use this, even though this is from the, the cheers earlier, as a chance to get some water. Will somebody give me a Mizzou score? How's the Mizzou basketball team doing? Uh, if anybody's watching, uh, uh, I would love to know. They're playing Arkansas. Hey, Tony Forcelito says, first time been able to watch in a while. Cheers, sir. To you, uh, Tony Forcelito. Again, if you're over on Twitter, we're on YouTube. We're having a, We have a better crowd, all that stuff, blah, blah, blah. To you, Tony. Zach Gifford over on YouTube says, still here. Cheers. Good. I hope you had a happy new year, Zach. Um, again, if you ever feel like writing, I know Gifts and I would love to have you over there uh, as I speak for Gifts. Uh, Matt Thompson says, Jerpy will shoot up P-Live list as soon as he makes his pro debut. Best college arm by a sizable margin in the 22 draft for my money. Matt Thompson, I'm 100% with you. Uh, uh, and again, I, I really do respect... I respect every outlet that isn't jumping on Jerpy just yet. Oh, my God. I can't believe I said jumping on Jerpy. Oh, God. It's like C-70s running around in my body. Um, I appreciate that a lot of online national publications are waiting to put Jerpy on their list until he makes his pro debut. I've, uh, I'm about it. I'm about it. I think that that's the way to be. That's the way that I've always been. I'm just being a little bit more aggressive because I love him. And I want to make a point. And I don't know what that is, what that point is, because I'm a moron. VHS says, please keep saying doing the dirty when you talk about writing up prospects. God, see, that's how stupid I am is I don't even realize I'm saying it. But yeah, yeah, I can absolutely promise you that I will keep saying it. Hey, real fast, before we get to Blake, uh, Andrew Breyer says 2918 Mizzou right now. Thank you. Tony Forcelito says 2918 Mizzou. Wow, uh, I love it. Our good buddy Blake Newberry, who's been doing the list over at the Cardinal Nation with uh, with uh, Brian Walton, and who does some work for Viva Albertos. Blake, we've been talking about you and Kareem and Cardinal Reeks and being the new age of Cardinal prospect riders. Uh, I just want to give you a shout out. I want to give you a, like just like with Kareem. I want to give you a genuine cheers. Uh, I'm really impressed with the work you've been doing. I hope that my talking about you guys helps build your audience because you guys are going to be better than me, and you're probably already better than me. Uh, and I love the idea 
that you'll be informing the next generation of people who are interested in prospects. So before we get to your question and your point, I, I really wanted to give you a genuine raise of the glass. Uh, and again, of all, it was awesome to talk to everybody at the Blogger Day, but I, I love talking it over with you. I, I'm just so impressed with you. You're, you're a great young man. He's, Blake says, I've been seeing a lot of people viewing Burleson and Gomez as DH liabilities in the field. How do you rate them as defenders? Like I, we've always said about Alec Burleson is he's fine. Like he's not going to cost you runs out there. He's not going to steal runs out there. Uh, now every once in a while he'll steal a run. Uh, let me take that back. He might, if there's a high wall in left field and he's playing left field, he might cost you a run or two because he really struggled with that wall in Memphis. But at the same time, in 2021, we saw him diving around and stealing runs and stealing hits out in left and center. A lot of these evaluations, and this now this also goes for the Cardinals speaking publicly about Alec Burleson, are incorrect. They're bad, poor, poor evaluations on Alec Burleson. As a matter of fact, I would say every time I've heard somebody in the Cardinals organization, on the radio or otherwise, talk about Alec Burleson, they've underrated him. They are not watching the same player that I am watching. Bottom line, and because of that, like a lot of the national guys aren't. He's not going to be a great player. That's not Alec Burleson, but he's going to be a damn good player. He's going to be a damn fine player, and he's going to be a damn hard worker, and he's great for the clubhouse. So he's not a defensive liability in a corner. He's fine in a corner. Now, will there be a time in three or four years if he bulks up a little bit where he's a defensive liability? Yeah, maybe, but right now he's not. Uh, you know, and he has a good, strong arm, although it did take a step back. Remember, he was a pitcher at ECU, and last year, like, he had the most underrated arm in the organization from an outfield perspective. It was a fucking hand cannon. It was a rocket, and it was impressive. Now, this past year, you could tell that he didn't do the same strength training, that the same prep that he did as a pitcher, and you could see the arm maybe take a step backwards, uh, but it's still a really great arm, really great arm. Not, not top level, but it's a really great arm. Gomez is a whole different thing, right? Gomez is still athletic, even though he's a big body, to maybe make up for some of the mistakes that he makes. I would not call him a liability just yet. But what I would say is that he would do well. So this is where it's tough, right? Like, I think he's too bulky. And I think he gets bad reads. And I think he doesn't know what to do with his body. Uh, I, you know, you see him dive around, but it's usually because he's kind of a sluggish runner. And then he kind of like falls for a ball like he's just he's bulky and it looks bulky and it runs around bulky and then you know he he doesn't make a lot of mistakes out there but he isn't fine the same way that Alec Burleson is fine like the fundamentals aren't there you know Moises Gomez does have maybe the best outfield arm in the organization but the problem is on two or three different occasions last year I watch him throw the ball over the second baseman's head and not just by like three feet or five feet or ten feet like 20 feet. The fundamental side of what Moises Gomez does out in the outfield is an issue. He misses cutoff men. He plays balls poorly off of the wall, gets lost in the corner a little bit. He runs kind of clunky, so he doesn't get to everything that he can get to. Now, that's not to say that he is a liability out there. I would still take Moises Gomez out in the outfield over what we saw out of Juan Yepes in 2022. Now, I trust that Juan Yepes has worked really hard this offseason to get better out in the outfield, and maybe we'll revisit this conversation when we see the strides that Juan Yepes has made out in the outfield. But if we're talking just based solely on what we saw in 2022. I, for a frame of reference, like 
I would rather have Gomez playing defense out in the outfield than Yepes, but I would, by a great margin, rather have Burleson playing uh, defense out in the outfield than Gomez. You know, uh, he's just, he's a weird guy. He's a weird player. He's a very unique and weird player is what he is. The Grave of Einstein says, is Mizzou like actually a good team this year? I was convinced it was fake, but now they beat two ranked teams and are winning against the third. Yeah, you know, they're getting those teams, those ranked teams at just the right time too, it seems like. But yeah, I don't know. Look, I don't know how good the Mizzou basketball team is. I haven't watched. Like I've watched Mizzou basketball every year, even when they were bad, uh, here and there. Not intently, not every game, not the games I watch, I wouldn't even watch the full game. They're better than that, and they play at the very least a very fun style to watch. I don't know how good they are, but they're not bad, and I'll fucking take that. <laughs> I will take that. Matt Thompson says, Gomez tries to be a hero in the outfield. Dude will not use a cutoff, man. There you go, and we'll throw to the wrong bag all the time. He's just – he's not fundamentally sound. That's it. And it's not like – to to Matt's point, I, he, like you would understand why Matt would say he's he tries to be a hero – but I'll I'll one up you. I don't even think he's trying to be a hero. I just think he loses track of what he's trying to do and just like sails. I think the ball sails on him. And I think the reads he gets are kind of out there. Like, you know, it's a lot like Jonas Cespedes uh defensively, right? Where Cespedes could be a really good defensive defender, but he just do weird shit out there and it'd be like, what the fuck is he doing? And then he had a great arm, and Cespedes' arm was on a different level than Gomez because of accuracy. But just imagine that arm. Again, he not not that caliber, a, a caliber less than that, but where all of a sudden, instead of throwing it to the second baseman, he's throwing it into left center field from right field. It's, it's a really weird thing about that guy. Uh, the Grave of Einstein says, what would the plan be for Jake Walsh this year? He didn't have the absolute greatest debut in 2022, but he still gets a lot of positive reviews these days. Yeah, you know, my again, I have we have to get the the health update on Jake Walsh. I don't have it. I'm sorry. It's something I've been meaning to do for a couple weeks now, and I just I'm stupid and I forget. You know, when you're talking about like the greatest debut, remember he obviously had an arm injury that kind of derailed his season and his major league potential last year. So uh, my guess is if he's healthy, he's going to get a chance to be a contributor out of the bullpen. That fastball curveball combination with maybe a little slider here and there, a little slider cutter thing here and there. That's those are those are better pitches than like Cody Whitley. Like he's going to be a better version of Cody Whitley. Does that make him a swing type bullpen arm? Does it make him something more? Probably the answer to that question is yes. Both of those questions is yes. There's probably even though they seem like two different questions or two different outcomes, the answer is probably yes to both of them. It's kind of the nature of relief pitchers. Um, but if he's healthy, yeah, like I, I wouldn't buy too much into what, maybe 10 innings. I, I don't remember how many innings of Jake Walsh, but like let's not buy too much into 10 innings of major league experience or eight innings or 18 uh, when you're talking about a guy who definitely missed time because of uh, a health-related issue and who has consistently in his time in the organization since being drafted missed time because of arm and health-related issues. Kellen Hughes says, I know it's a very early, but what MLB player comp would you give Jerpy? No one. No one, you know, you'll see a lot of people talk about Chris Sale because of the arm angle. Uh, no, that's not fair. You know, I say Nick Lodolo because you're talking about potentially, well, you're talking about the at the very least the best left-handed pitcher, collegiate lefty from their draft class uh, with major league potential. But it's it's different than that. You know, uh, Jerpy measures better. He does he does things a little bit different. Like, 
you know, he doesn't maybe have the velocity that we've seen necessarily consistently uh, out of Lodolo, but like, I, I like, I like going to Lodolo because I think it gives people a chance to uh, have perspective uh, and maybe set a realistic expectation of his first major league season where I think, I think Nick Lodolo could still be something and probably will be something more than what we saw in 2022. I think you'll have more consistent um, moments, you know, I, something like that. Like, I don't know if it's fair to make a comp because of how unique Jerpy is, really. You know, I, I think if you're looking for what, like, level of success he could have, you know, maybe healthy Sean Manea, something like that. Like, I don't think that that's out of the question in the next 24 months. Uh, you know, absolutely not. Jeff Niehau says, does your new mic have pubes? Yeah, that's what these are. Well, it did have pubes before I shaved it like the nice mic it is. Uh, Taylor Cruz says, I think Libertor is a fastball away from cementing himself as a major leaguer. Do you think Blake can help shape spin the fastball? That's the hope. You know, I think it's more than that. I, you know, I think it's more than that. It, one thing I've been really critical about Matthew Libertor, of Matthew Libertor for all of these years now is the way that he pitches and the intensity that he pitches with. You know, for me, sure, shape is going to be important. Deciding what, if he's going to stick with a four seam or a two seam, how his stuff works off of all of that. Like I think is, uh, we know for a fact that his breaking stuff plays better off of the four seam, but the four seam isn't as good as the two seam and the two seam isn't particularly good either. So he has a whole issue to work with there. And you know, I don't, I think maybe Dusty Blake hopefully can get it squared away, but you know, I, I'm not there yet. He needs to do some serious work to his fastball, not just reshaping or uh, spinning like it's real serious work with that fastball to get it to that level where he is uh an every fifth day starter or a consistent major leaguer you know he has to he has to continue to show fastball velocity too he doesn't fool anybody with the fastball i think that's an arm angle thing is what i think just as much as anything i do think dusty and the cardinals hopefully can and also the work that libertor does on his own because libertor does a lot of work on his own uh, hopefully he can square that away. I think that getting the fastball worked out, the two-seamer worked out, will go a long way to solidifying his major league future. But he also doesn't command any of it particularly well either unless he's feeling it, unless he's pitching with intensity. And he needs to pitch with intensity uh, and that edge in order to really get all of his potential out there, to get all of his skill out there. And until he's doing that, I don't think it matters exactly if his fastball is better. Now, of course, if his fastball is better, if it's spinning better, if he commands it better, then it's going to make a world of difference. That might put him in the caliber of never going back to the minors once he finds his way back to the majors, which is ideally what you would want out of that player with that pedigree. I just think that there's more to it, Taylor. I think I think we need to see more, and we need to see him commanding his, his stuff and using the upper half of the zone and running the curveball and the slider off of it. And also, like... I believe that the changeup, which can be a really great pitch for him, needs to find consistency, and he needs to find consistency with that uh, in, in order to be that starting pitcher that can be a back end of the rotation, uh, a maybe middle rotation starter. Now, I do think it's interesting because we've seen him be effective with his shit fastballs uh, uh, with high velocity, and the more I keep thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it, maybe maybe he could be a devastating bullpen piece. Maybe he's the Andrew Miller. You know, uh, that that the Cardinals hope that they would get. I, you know, for Randy Rosarena, you get a lockdown left-handed pitcher that can actually strike people out 
can if he can consistently get to that 96 98 territory with this fastball and play the slider and the changeup and the curve but at that point it'll probably only be fastball and curve maybe a little slider here and there i think i think that is uh the key for him you know i i, I could see him being <laughs> i can see him being a really good bullpen piece with a streamlined um delivery and a streamlined repertoire and approach, if that makes sense. Tony F says Mizzou is up 34, 27 and a half, which is good because Matt Thompson here says, I can't wait until Libertor graduates from prospect eligibility. I feel so lucky that I can make my own goddamn rules and I don't ever have to write about Matthew Libertor again or, or any of the guys that have made a major league debut. I, I You should be jealous of me on that. Uh, one more time, I'm going to raise my glass to prospects live. They just released their Cardinals top 30 prospects. You can get the first 10 over for free at Prospects Live, but pay the 10 bucks for the Patreon. It is worth it. Uh, absolutely. Support Prospects Live. Matt Thompson, you do great work uh, to you. Grave of Einstein says, for young pitchers coming up, do you think not being caught and having their pitches called by Yachty is going to hurt and help the young guys? No, no, you know, I, my one, my one concern about Kisner and this is comes from talking to major leaguers and minor leaguers. My one concern with Kisner behind the plate and people talk about his framing ability and it needs to get better, of course, but he doesn't work umpires. And I kind of, I tried my hardest to like, and I won't get into that. He doesn't work umpires and that actually screws him out of calls. Uh, that's my concern with Yachty or with, with kids, but I can tell you dating back to the minors when some of the guys in the bullpen and some of the starters were triple a pitchers, major leaguers, triple a pitchers, major leaguers, and kids was doing the same thing. There were a lot of those guys who liked pitching to Kisner more than they liked pitching to Yachty. Now what Yachty does is Yachty had the cachet to steal strikes. Just that simple that Kisner does not have that Wilson Contreras doesn't do. I think this is where the pitching coach comes in. If if Dusty Blake is every bit as good as everybody's making him out to be, and that I don't believe he is, I think he's fine, I think he's good, I think he's whatever, it's up to him and Wilson Contreras and Andrew Kisner to identify what pitches are best for the players to throw, what they're feeling, and how to throw it. Uh, and that's an organization top-down scouting player development thing now. It's not just a Yachty thing. And I'll be honest with you, in modern baseball, I trust that more than I trust broke-ass 2022, 2019 through 2022 Yachty or Molina. I hate to be that way. I'm just being honest. And, and what I told you is a fact. Um, and I think I think that that shows a little bit, right? I, I think that we saw some of these guys, like Ryan Helsley, sure, he was back up to hitting 100 miles an hour, but... When Helsley can throw a third pitch, it makes him more effective. When Andre Pallante is getting a chance to throw maybe a couple different pitches, it makes him more effective. That was not something that early age Yachty did. And it was something that Yachty was resistant against. And I think it's going to help Gordon Graceffo. I think it's going to help Michael McGreevy to be able to use multiple pitches. I think when Matthew Libertor transitions to a bullpen role, I think it'll help Libertor. Uh, losing Yachty sucks because Yachty steals strikes because of his cachet and he's a good framer, but that's more cachet than framing. I can promise you uh, just from talking to baseball people. Um, and of course he has that stigma where people are scared of him. So you kind of like abide by him. 
which puts more onus on the pitcher, which is more dangerous, right? Like if you're a pitcher and you can trust the catcher, then you just give it to the catcher and the catcher takes responsibility and he has a cachet to, 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 to push that. But uh, again, that's not to diminish Yachty. It's just to say that like, as we enter this new era, I don't think it's going to hurt young pitchers that Yachty isn't there. I don't know if it'll necessarily help, but the whole method has to change now. And it has to be how to get the most out of the pitchers. Maybe not, Yachty getting the most out of the pitchers and using the pitcher's history and using data to get that of the pitchers, uh, which is what like Kisner does. And Kisner's really fucking good at it. And it's kind of underrated. Matt Parker says, is Dusty Blake coaching style an upgrade over Maddox? It's more modern, you know, uh, or are they similarly, are they both similarly, similarly minded? No, it's more modern. And to me, that's better. To me, that's better. Uh, can we determine this now? Or do we have to wait and see? But at the same time, to your point, we have to wait and see. You know, uh, what I know is that we've already seen good between Dusty Blake working with Tim Levesque, working with Jake Woodford. We've already seen such positive returns when somebody buys in to reworking the way you throw a pitch and how you throw a pitch in Jake Woodford's slider. That pitch is sustainable now. It wasn't. It is now. If Dakota Hudson can buy into that, then Dakota Hudson might be more than just a terrible pitcher that the team is calling their sixth starter. He might actually be a legitimate sixth starter, fifth starter. Uh, but we're going to have to wait and see how that goes. So to your point, yes, let, we'll wait and see before we start making assumptions. But I do think that modern technology in the modern world and the understanding of it and the push of it, as long as the players buy into it, makes Blake a much better option for the Cardinals than uh, than Maddox did. Matt Thompson says, <laughs> Austin Love doesn't get nearly the attention he should. Stuff is nasty. Had some brooded, bat, brutal batted ball luck last year. And also, Matt, uh, early in the year, he was just fastball slider. He didn't throw his changeup. And it wasn't until about July, June he started throwing it. And in July, he started throwing it more. And that was the difference. Now, I will tell you, Matt, uh, that I have Austin Love higher than Michael McGreevy. I have Connor Thomas higher than, higher than Michael McGreevy. Uh, so I'm with you, bud. I'm with you. That batted ball luck plays into it, too. Tether Cruz says, I really thought kids would hit well in the majors. Is Herrera at risk of being placed in the zone where he never gets consistent MLB at-bats? Yeah, you know, I think that it's easy uh, and his progression is halted. I Let me tell you my thought about Herrera that makes it just a little bit different with Kisner. Now, I do think the timing of Kisner really sucked, just like the timing of Carson Kelly really sucked for both of them. I think it's a little different with Von Herrera because of the lost 2020 minor league baseball season. You know, I don't think it's going to hurt Avon Herrera to spend another full year at AAA if he spends another full year at AAA. I mean, you know, he might get 50 games at the major leagues between Wilson Contreras and Kisner getting hurt. He might get 10, he might get 15, he might get 20, well, he might get 30, he might get 100. Who knows? You never know about health. But I don't think it hurts him to spend the entire year down at, at Memphis if he spends the entire year down at Memphis. I think what hurts him is if he comes up and he sits on the bench for 50 days and gets 23 at-bats. That's what I think hurts these guys. So, to, you know, I, I don't think it stunts his MLB potential. I think as long as he's willing to accept what the Cardinals want him to do, I think I think it'll be nothing but a positive in the long run. You know, something we've talked about a lot is rushing players to the majors. We're seeing it more and more now than ever. And another thing we've talked a lot about is how tough it is to be a catcher at the major league, at the, at the major league, at the major league level. Boy, what a weird time to end that, that phrase, that thought process. Uh, how tough it is to be a catcher at the major league level. I don't think it hurts him at all to play regularly, 
split split time with Pedro Pais just a little bit um, to play regularly and continue to hone the craft for when he's called upon. And hopefully when he's called upon, he's given a real chance because if there's one thing I know from talking to players that have made it to the majors and have kind of been uh, uh, gaslit, um, whether they deserved it or not, um, which no one deserves to be gaslit, but you get what I'm saying here. Uh, uh, whether they're put on the back burner and they deserved it or not, uh, is that as long as he's playing, I think everything will be okay with Avon Herrera. He's still only 22, be 23 this year. Like, I think he's still on track to be not too far off from where he was. Uh, uh, you know, had 2020 not been lost, just my thoughts. Uh, and that's where we're at. So again, uh, we have a couple of people over on Twitter. I'll remind everybody that we are over on YouTube, but we're probably going to end this. I would like to watch Mizzou's second half. So uh, with an hour and 30 minutes in, uh, I was going to try to make this a half an hour or an hour, but with an hour and 30 minutes in, I raised my glass to all of the pad people, all of the birds on the black people. You know, I'm hopeful that Tara and Alex do a chirps. I would love for Tara and Alex to do a chirps. But what I love seeing is I love seeing Enchil and Ben Cerruti cooking again. Man, those articles that Ben's putting out with that beautiful artwork from Enchil is fucking killing it. You know, Stu Styles ready to get those those scorecards up and running. Like, man, it gets me so excited. The game recap, so excited. Like, you know, getting a chance to work with gifts again on the pictures for the dirty articles. I cannot wait. So for all of my birds on the black people, all of my prospects after live people, I raise my glass. Mm. Greg Weinstein said cheers. Uh, and other than that, that's all I got for you, fam. I hope that you enjoyed this tonight. I hope everybody had a good time. Again, uh, my hope is every Wednesday, either uh, it'll every middle of the week. It might be a Tuesday here. It might be a Thursday here. I'll always shoot for Wednesday. We continue to do prospects after dark. Hopefully next week I'll have more substantial writing done uh, on the dirty. But I would remind everybody, check out the Cardinal Nation, uh, their prospect list. Check out Prospect Live, their prospect list, um, and then Baseball America, their prospect list. You know, uh, Matt Thompson and the guys do a great job uh, on Prospect Live. Jeff Pontus and the guys on Baseball America. Blake Newberry and Brian Walton on the Cardinal Nation. Uh, they deserve all of the credit and all the attention. Patreon for Prospects Live, pay them. Um, Cardinal Nation, subscribe. Uh, baseball america subscribe it's worth it if you're big into prospects uh but for everybody again at prospects after dark everybody uh at birds on the black i raise my glass for the incredible cardinals gifts for victoria i love you too you're awesome we love you gifts we love you uh matt you're you're always awesome i raise my glass uh this was prospects after dark on uh, uh whatever the hell night it is uh january 1st 2023 the first pad of 2023 uh, again, if you if you watch this, if you're listening to this on the podcast, you are part of the resistance, as coined by Eric T, who hit me up on Twitter for the first time to you, Eric T. I love you guys. Uh, again, uh, thank you. And again, that's it. That's all we have for you. So for everybody at Birds on the Black, everybody at Prospects After Dark, if you watch this, you are part of the resistance. And as always, family, happy hunting. We'll see you next week. And uh, go Cards. Oh, oh, there you are. Oh, oh, there you are. So we went ahead and ended the Twitter talk. Twitter talk is done.
that motherfucker can go get fucked, fucked all the way. I just wanted to have a few more minutes with my YouTube people. I just wanted to see how my YouTube people were doing. I just want you to know I love you, YouTube people. I don't know why everybody's leaving. Where are you going? Don't leave just yet. This is our time. This is our time together. This is us coming together as one, to be one in a body as one together, coming together as one in a body, coming together as one in a body, as one body, coming together as one, one body.